What's up, everyone? This is the week of January. What's the date? The sixth. Oh, you just said it. It was just the sixth, and you told me, and I forgot. I'm Sarah. This is the Comic Vine Podcast. I'm here with the editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com, Tony Guerrero. Everyone. And Corey Schroeder. I'm back, baby. Corey the Schroeder. Corey the Schroeder. <laughs> and this week's special guest is Mr. Ryan North. Hello. Now, Ryan, you write comics, right? I do. You've done your research. (laughs) (laughs) Are you just bluffing your way through this whole thing? You know. Someone knows how to use Google. (laughs) (laughs) What did we do before Google? Uh, We asked our parents and they made something up. I went to the library. librarian. Ask a librarian. What's this? I used Encarta. So, Ryan. I loved Encarta. (laughs) Anyways, let's let's get on, on. Ryan, how you doing? Good, good. Let's talk about Encarta. <laughs> Hell yeah. Actually, what we're going to talk about first is... Dinosaurs? We'll talk about that later. Aww. First, we'll talk about... Um, what time is it? <laughs> adventure time! It's time for adventure. <laughs> so, starting um, next month, Boom, Boom, <laughs> Boom Comics, Boom Studios, is putting out Adventure Time, a comic based on... You didn't say it right. Boom Studios. Kaboom. Probably Kaboom is doing no, it. Oh, you have to be like, adventure time. <laughs> I, I asked a question. I don't say it. You say well, it. Well, that's how you say it. And, yeah. Now, Tony's the straight man. You're the funny one. I don't know. I'm, I'm the wild card. That? <laughs> I'm <laughs> the funny one. He's just the laugh track. <laughs> and so, adventure time from Boom Studios. First off, how'd you get involved with this, Ryan? Uh, I wish I had a better answer for this question because I've been asked that before and they expect some, like, Really interesting story. Wait, make it but, up. So make it up. So I, I was yeah. hanging naked from the roof. Okay, right. who should walk in? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Ryan, tell us <laughs> who walked in. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. A, a cupcake. It was Jake the dog. <laughs> no, they they emailed me and said, "Hey, do you want to write Adventure Time comic?" And I said, "Sure." Yeah, um, I want money. <laughs> well, it's I've been. <laughs> I've been offered sort of similar stuff to this before, and I've always said no because I'm not really familiar with the, uh, what do you call it, property, franchise, characters. Mm-hmm. What? The source And material. so they're like, hey, can you write this? I'm like, I, I don't know who these people are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with Adventure Time, I'm like, come on, it's Adventure Time. So I already knew the characters. I already knew everything was going on. And so it was a really easy thing to say yes to. Yeah, All right, I'm gonna be totally honest. I, I've only seen like two episodes, and I don't understand what you're what you're doing with your life. Well, so, so here's the thing: I have an eight year old daughter. We, we watch a lot of interest. we watch a lot of Cartoon Network, and you know we're constantly seeing the, the commercials for it. And I am extremely interested, but I've also been a little scared of just the the. Everything. It's a I mean, weird show. It's, it's kind of freaky. I mean, dogs with long, flowing arms. I and... love that they like squiggle. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> kind of weird. And and when I when I, I saw um, Tintin, and there was like this, you know, they had those like the the before the, sh- the before the, the trailers. They got like the I don't know if they have that up in Canada. Movies, yeah. movie trailers. <laughs> yeah. So they, there was like this. Yeah, we just got them. They're, they're new. Pretty cool. Huh? It's like a moving picture on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of our writers is Canadian. So we was. Some people give them a hard time there. Um, hey. So uh, there was like this really long Adventure Time commercial, and I was just like, oh, what is And And actually, going back, um, when the show first started, Cartoon Network sent me this, this nice little package. Well, it wasn't that nice. It was okay. But it, it, had, it, had, it had like this map, and it had a, a little hat that, that Finn wears. 
Right. And oh, that sounds so, awesome. And my daughter, wear, yeah. I mean, my daughter, I love my she daughter. She got a hat? She, she looks so... I work for she, Comic Vine and I don't get a hat? <laughs> this, was in, this was before you were here. Whatever. She, she looks, it's such a dang cute hat and she just puts it <laughs> on her own well. worse. So, <laughs> so I, I've always been interested about the show, but like when it first came on, you know, my daughter's eight now. I was like, I don't know. I'm eight this, now. this show is kind of, I don't know if, 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 if she should be watching this, but we're both extremely interested. Okay. And now after, you know, watching, you know, some more, it's like. Can't get enough. Gotta, gotta watch what it's doing. a really good show. Yeah, it seems amazing. It's because I'm also fairly unfamiliar with it, but I've heard people talk about it. I've now seen an episode or two and yeah it, it just seems like i'm kind of crazy i'm kind of amazed what they're getting away with <laughs> yeah no there's what i love about it is there's this um like it's it's a children's cartoon show at least uh, on the surface but unlike a lot of them there's this sense of of consequence to things mm-hmm. <laughs> like bad things happen to good people sometimes mm-hmm. and they normally fix it but i mean i, I think of the example where uh, uh finn and jake go into uh, basically, the land of death to retrieve this flower Jeez. that they killed by mistake because they fed it Snickers bars and stuff instead of water. <laughs> <laughs> they stuffed pizza into it. They have, to, they have to save this plant. So to get into this land of the dead, um, they ask their friend's butler if he can get them in. He says, yeah, but they'll be priced like, oh, super, super. Let us in. We'll talk about the price later. So <laughs> you go retrieve the plant, come back. <laughs> and the episode ends with this butler saying that now he needs their skin what? And he's gonna take oh, it man. from them when they sleep, and the episode ends. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, when the t- I was just saying, we we just watched the episode with the the undead sugar zombies, mm-hmm. and like in the the Teen Titans cartoon, which was also on Cartoon Network and isn't like that old, like you couldn't even say Deathstroke. Like they had to call him Slade. Oh really? Yeah, they couldn't even call him Deathstroke because of the word death. And I guess strokes are bad too. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> well it, it, that oh, depends. Okay. Depends on the kind of stroke. Uh, all right. Say, so uh, warrant might disagree. So those those, those ideas. I mean, uh, um, no, thank you. I'm sorry. I pulled the first hair this, metal band out of my head. Um, you you talked a little bit about consequence and you know how how that's present in the cartoon. Is that something that you're going to be integrating into your own book? I mean, how similar is it to the show? Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to make it like a storyboard to the most awesome episode that you just haven't seen yet. That so it's good. sort of yeah. I'm setting a high bar for me to jump over. But I I really, I mean, I, I've read a lot of tie-in stuff before. And I mean, I remember reading Star Trek novels growing up. Novelized, not novelization episodes, but like original Star Trek episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate that. The polite cough there. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh, that's, that's, I'm still getting over a cold. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, when you're reading... Uh, something that's based off a tv show like that and they get stuff wrong it's just awful right like mm-hmm. it's it you're no longer reading the actual thing you're reading some variation on the theme or something so i'm trying to make the comic be as true to the show as possible i mean i've talked to Penn and we agreed that they can go in their own directions if need be and they don't have to be absolutely consistent but i don't want to break the rules or change continuity without having a reason to do so mm-hmm. so I don't think I should answer your question. I answered a different question you didn't ask. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> there will be consequence in the comic like there is in the show. And yeah, they're going to be tied together in that way. There was an answer there. Yeah. Good work, Ryan. There you <laughs> go. Yay. So, so, so basically the, the show, they never really explain where the, the land of ooh came from. Or where well, there's, there's, there's hints. Um, it's kind of suggested that the land of ooh is Earth. 
mm-hmm. a thousand years after a nuclear apocalypse yeah. and magic <laughs> wow. comes back into the world. So there's a darkness too. Like whenever they dig, they come across skeletons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like, a heavy show. Yeah, but that's, it's just there in the background. There's no, there's no one walking around saying, wow, isn't it sad that everyone died a thousand years ago? <laughs> they just dig a hole and have to get through some human skeletons before they can get to the treasure underneath. Isn't that always the way? It's always the way. <laughs> so, so in, in terms of like like overall story, I mean, like in your 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 stories, I don't want to say does it matter. I mean, it, it's, does, does it, it matter? <laughs> no, I mean, that, does it matter where it fits in? Like in terms of, there's no real continuity because it's just adventure after adventure, right? Yeah. Well, there there is yeah. characters like uh, Finn and Princess Bubblegum have a relationship in the lower case R sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that has grown and developed over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of nice because I've uh, been privy to plot developments that happen on the show in the, rela- in the relationships with all the characters in the next little while. So that the comic will be consistent with those. Cool. So when it comes out, it'll match up with what's going on with the show, mm-hmm. which is nice. Now, is it makes it... me feel special. I know secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and you can never you, you could sell them if people want to but you it's funny when the no news way. broke He's that I was Canadian. The comic. he would never do that yeah yeah when when the news <laughs> broke that's writing the comic i got emails and things on twitter people being like if you write some really slashy scenes between princess bubblegum bubblegum and marceline i'll give you money like cash <laughs> money. <laughs> hmm. that's make weird. my fanfic come true <laughs> please please don't do that <laughs> so now is is this an, an ongoing mini what can you tell us about the series um, I'm, I think all I can tell you is that I'm writing the first four issue, uh, arc. There's the books divided into two parts. There's the part that I'm writing, which is the on model looks like the show continuing adventure part of it. And the other part every week, every month rather, there'll be a standalone story done by an indie cartoonist in their own style, which I think is really cool. Wow. So it's sort of a different vision into the adventure time world than by somebody who's already awesome. So it's kind of kind of how I'd set up the book myself if I were doing it, which is really nice. Now, how does it feel like, you know, when we, when you, after you said, yeah, I'll, I'll do this, then you have to say, crap, I got to write this, you know, as great as the show is. And, you know, what was that like? It was actually worse than that because I said, yeah, I'll do it. And they're like, all right, super. We'll need the, <laughs> we'll need the pitch like tomorrow. <laughs> and we'll need the first script uh, the first issue done in two, a couple weeks from now. So it was kind of me dropping everything to just focus on this for a while to get it to where um, I want it to be, right? Like, you don't want the first issue to not be totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and you also have the challenge where, you know, with the show, you know, you have all, all the great voice actors and, you know, just, you know, throw it over the top. But with, with the comic, you know, the readers are going to have to have those voices in their head. So is, yeah, is that a sure. challenge to... To try to make sure you know your your scripts are you know extra hilarious to to make up for the the lack of the voices. I think it actually. I mean, you can look at it as a challenge. I think it actually makes it easier because the voices of the characters are so distinctive and so hilarious that it's kind of in that sense easy to write because you hear the voices reading the lines you've written. You're like, yeah, that sounds perfect. I wish they could read that. Mm-hmm. And so when you read it in the comic, you it's very easy to hear the character's voice reading it out loud. At least for me, maybe I have some sort of brain problem no 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 <laughs> it's I your think, secondary mutation no, I, I, I agree i mean um when you already know what the character sounds like and you can 
you, you, and they're funny. Like I think that it's it's probably yeah yeah at least it's it's easier to read. It's yeah. more fun to read. The danger as a writer is to get it wrong. You don't want to have something that the person reading the book will say. There's no way that person would say that. Yeah, totally. Um, so what was it like collaborating with the artist? And, and who is the artist on, on this book? Uh, there's two. There's Braden Lamb and Shelley Paraline. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the art together. And it's actually been... I've never worked in quite this way before where I've just slammed down a script and said, here, run with it. Mm-hmm. And the way the show works is uh, the writer's sort of collaborate, the storyboard artists collaborate with the writers and add their own things as they're drawing out the show. Mm-hmm. And so I, I emailed them and I book, let's, let's do something similar to that. If you have any awesome ideas you want to throw in, please go with it. Uh, let's, let's sort of have it more collaborative. And they have. And so I've, I have this one panel that I wrote two sentences to describe it. Just here's a big panel. This is what's inside of it. And it ended up being this incredibly detailed splashy like you started for i don't want to say hours but literally minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know all this stuff in this panel and it's kind of it makes you feel powerful where you're like i can just describe this with a sentence and then it's in this amazingly full rendered detail mm-hmm. um i'm i feel bad that i'm making them do all this work <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but it's really worth it like the results are awesome the the comic has a lot of a uh, fluidity or the comic the uh, the cartoon has a lot of fluidity to it like tony was talking about the the long, the elongated noodly arms and stuff. And yeah, like in the fingers, even I've noticed like the fingers have all these great animations. Like, I think that's the, what freaks me out. Is that, I don't know why. Yeah, does that a uh, does that fall more to you or the artist to like kind of duplicate that? Like, do you like write like and then his arms become huge and noodly, or do they kind of improvise <laughs> on that? I have written stuff like that. Um, it's funny. I've been trying to think when I'm writing the comics of how to show this noodly stuff. And the the wiggly and the the movement when you don't have that motion in the comic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you do all that you can to suggest to suggest this uh, these transformations really happening as the comic progresses. So I mean they've it's been kind of humbling because I I wrote this script and I sent it to them and then I get back the pencils and it's way better than what I had imagined even in my head when I was writing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so people are going to read this comic and hopefully they'll be like, wow, that was really good. What good writing you did, Ryan, and I'll be like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Now, what, what's the process? I mean, are you working like with the show's creators, like saying, you know, here's my script. Do you approve it, or do they just say, okay, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do, go? No slash fic, <laughs> except for that. No, I haven't got anyone saying there's nothing I can't do, which is kind of unexpected, and I'm seeing how far I can push that. But <laughs> as far as I can tell, the, the process is I send in the script to my editor at Boom. And then that script goes off to Cartoon Network and also to Penn, who created the Venture Time and runs the show. And I've gotten notes back from Penn that have been basically, what if you change this punchline, would that be funnier? I'm like, yeah, it would be funnier. Let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) So again, it's like this uh, almost a support network of other people who are super talented, trying to, everyone's trying to do the best they can with this book. And I think uh, the book benefits from that, but I also in particular benefit from that. So I might be being too humble here. I can also write a good story, I think. <laughs> so but it's great to have people help. Wh- which of the characters is the one you like to write the most? I really like. Do you know Bimo? Bimo is this 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 little uh, computer game console that's alive in the show, mm-hmm. and it's usually just a background character. And I love this computer way more than it's rational. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, it only plays a small role in the comic I've written, at least so far. I mean, I'd, I'd like to put it in more, but it starts feeling like almost author insertion because I love BMO so much that I project a lot of myself onto BMO. And I don't mm-hmm. want to put this character in the comics because it'll feel like clearly Ryan just wants to write BMO comics all the time. <laughs> you, you just <laughs> answered my next time question. Maybe it'll do a spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who is this comic geared towards? Is it like, you know, is there like, because like, like I said, I, I mean, I was always hesitant to introduce, you know, my, my, you know, five-year-old kid to the show because I wasn't sure if it was going to be too disturbing. I mean, it was right. disturbing enough for me, which, which is good. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you watch the regular cartoons. Kids shows are weird these days. Well, I mean, yeah. I, mean, I feel like it's know, safe some, some of them are, are watered down, but, you know, some like this, this is, this is something I had have no, I would like to watch for myself and having a daughter gives me an excuse to, you know, watch, watch yeah. this stuff. Yeah. I have no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need one. Um, I'm trying to keep the comic at the same level of the show where uh, someone who's younger can enjoy it, fully enjoy it and have a great time reading it, and someone who's older can enjoy it for similar and different reasons and still have the same fun time doing it. So the same level the show is at, that same sort of crazy space that the show occupies. I'm trying to shove the comic in there too. And, and with the way the show started off, I mean, you can... New readers can basically just jump right in. You know, we don't need to know the thousand-year history or whatever. We can just say, oh, this is some strange stuff, and just go at it. Yeah, no, I've actually, I've written the comics that if you pick it up totally cold, um, is that an expression, you pick it up cold, you don't know what's going on? Yes. Is that just a Canadian thing? Sure. <laughs> Something worried that's a Canadian thing because it involves coldness? No, no, no. <laughs> no I, I know that phrase. I like, okay, my, good. I like my comics at you know, room temperature. Yeah, <laughs> if you pick it up cold, if you will, uh, you can still the comic will uh, be able to be read and you'll know what's happening and who the characters are and what the relationships are and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Do you ever feel like self-conscious writing any of the jokes? Because I noticed there are a lot of like double entendre jokes that are like appeal obviously to kids and adults, but like with writing it, because like they can kind of put it in a throwaway line that like pass you by in a moment, but when like when you write it down, it's like right there on the page. They can Forever. stare at it for like 10 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> what does he mean by that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I happened until you mentioned it now. <laughs> <laughs> feel okay, worried. I just, I just ruined the about comic. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, um, it's funny because you can look at comics, and people have been looking at comics as being almost storyboards for movies. Like, yeah, we'll turn this comic into a movie, but it's not that direct a translation. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that comics do better than film, and there's some things that films do better than comics. And I think each should focus on their strengths. So there's stuff in the comic that I can't do the equivalent of, like you say, a quick throwaway line said really quietly and very quickly, and you almost don't quite hear it. In a comic, it doesn't work, but I can do stuff that, in the comics that you can't do in animation because I have the static image. I can put it in, in detail that you'd never catch mm-hmm. in a show. Is there a chance that you might uh, do more after the, these four issues? Or Yeah, I think so. Cool. Anything you want to, you know... T- tell us. <laughs> <laughs> the first issue isn't out yet, but I want to know what happens in issue five. <laughs> oh, I thought you weren't writing issue five. I thought you were only writing four issues. I mean, that's that's all we've discussed. But mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> now, e- each issue will be like a self-contained story. Uh, no, it's the first one is a four-issue arc. Oh, really? So, so each um, issue has a self-contained story in the second half. That's the indie cartoonist part. Okay. And the first part is my ongoing story. 
So how, how does your story compare to like uh, the length of an episode? Would it be like a four four part episode or just one overall arc? I've been trying to think of that. I feel like it'll probably be if you were to somehow film it, maybe the length of two episodes. But I haven't actually like sat down and done a reading to see <laughs> how long it would take. But have people I, act it out in front of you. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> for some reason, I haven't done that yet. You ever like like hum the the theme song to yourself while you're you're working it out? Yeah. You want to hum some? Sorry, is that, is that too honest an answer? <laughs> no, I'm too cool to hum. <laughs> cool, get it? He's Canadian. Oh, oh, oh Sorry, you're you're not the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, you shattered the illusion. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about dinosaur comics. Sure. Yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so I admit, you know, I, I, I come across this before and I just realized that, you know, you are the same person that is doing Adventure Time. So inform our listeners the origin of Dinosaur Comics and how you were able to run with this idea since, like, what, was it 2003 or something like that? 2003, yeah. Uh, so Dinosaur Comics is a webcomic I do where... It's the same panels every day. I change the words better than it sounds. <laughs> and <laughs> it's about uh, talking dinosaurs and the adventures they have all the time. <laughs> all of are which they, involve stepping I mean, on a house Are they point. really adventures? <laughs> they are like adventures. He almost absolutely. steps on a house and then he almost steps on a person in the next panel. They're more like existential nightmares than adventures. <laughs> That's a form of adventure. <laughs> Now, does, does that make it easier or harder that, you know, you don't have to worry about that or, you know, you're just filling in the words? Yeah, I mean, it's it's easier in the sense that when I get up to write a comic, I'm not facing a blank sheet of paper. Like, I know T-Rex is probably going to be in it because he's in every panel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's actually, when I started, I thought I wrote down, let's say, 12 comics. I did 12 comics all at once. Uh, all right, well, this is possible. I can do at least 12 with this layout. I'll put them online, see what happens. And then I thought I'd do it for a month, then I thought I'd do it for two months and six months and a year. And I always thought I'd reach a point where it's impossible to tell new stories with these pictures. Mm-hmm. But it's it's surprisingly flexible. Like you add later above panel one and it changes, or panel two, and it changes the visual narrative of the strip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can really, it's sort of been a, a lesson in the flexibility of comics as a medium where you can tell, uh, you can do a comic for eight years without changing the pictures and still have it in my opinion, not be sucky. Because <laughs> <laughs> what um, I don't think these two guys know, and I'm sure you don't know, when <laughs> when I was in high school, I actually did a, a, a comic strip, and you know, I I got a slow following, and it was stick figures, but there was some detail, and the main character basically killed and mutilated the other characters. <laughs> But, my but, mother did that too. You know, the, the, I, and then slowly, <laughs> I, needed therapy though. I, I would incorporate my friends into the strip, and, oh, and, and they're like, "Can you put me in there?" And you know, so if if a stick figure got his head chopped off, he could come back. And 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 <laughs> this all started when I was in the physics class. You know, who needs were you listen? happy? Yeah, who needs to listen? I mean, there, there's humor in there. You know, it, it's that that um that what's the word I'm looking? You know, it, it's it's so absurd where it, it's not like. I mean, it was stick figures, so it's not like yeah. like blood yeah. and like oh, you know, and and you know, I was wearing black all the it's time. Not it's not quite torture. Yeah, no, I mean, no, there, there, no, there there was no, that that, that like, humor and it's jokes. Yeah, and and so that that was the that was the point of it, and and I just I mean, I would sit there like in, in you know study hall or whatever. It's like 
I need to come up with five strips for the next week. And then <laughs> I would start working them out. And then, you know, my friend's like, you have the next episode. and So uh, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what is what is that like for you, Ryan? Like, how, how often do they go up? And is there pressure to come up with new ideas? Well, they, they go up uh, every weekday, so five times uh, a week. Mm-hmm. And I for the first five five or six years, I wasn't a very good... Um, I guess you'd call it a cartoonist <laughs> in that I would write that day's comic the morning of that day. <laughs> so on, I get up at seven and on a good day, the comic would go up at 10 on a bad day. It would go up at like three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon. And people were very patient, which was nice, but it took me five or six years to realize if I just did two comics one day, then I could have a backlog of one comic mm-hmm. And I can have it go up at a consistent time in the morning at 7 o'clock when I get up instead of always this wait four hours while I try to frantically think of a joke and everyone's refreshing the page and like, where's my comic today, Ryan? Because some <laughs> days you're not very funny. At the rhetorical you, I'm not meaning you in particular. But some days you wake up and you're like, I don't, I don't have any jokes. Man, what am I going to do? But now that I have this backlog of one comic, I can think maybe I'll be funnier at 10 p.m. Yeah, I mean, what do you do if you have like a sad day? <laughs> you write a sad comic. Yeah. I mean, there's there's humor in tragedy, especially when it's not your own tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> or people call you profound for suddenly having a serious comic in the midst yeah, of all yeah. these funny ones. It's like, wow, he's really deep. He's, when he it's has really a lot like, of eh, really important feelings. It was just a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Weather I, makes me sad. <laughs> so so I, I haven't read them all. Um, well, there's, there's thousands. I, I don't blame you. Um, but did, you should. <laughs> I, I might go back and do that. But does, does I'm afraid he, I insist. <laughs> does does T Rex ever uh, realize that he stepped on a house or? Well, maybe he doesn't quite get there. <laughs> like in, uh, in the eight distracted. years. He's no, distracted. I mean like in the. You're eight asking years. in the eight years have they ever sort of commented on the fact that the pictures? Yeah. Always... Yeah. yeah I early on I flirted with hinting at that, but I realized that um, what I've sort of created is this dramatic irony where. If you as a reader read more than one or two comics, you get that the pictures are repeating and this is, you know something the characters don't. Mm-hmm. And that sort of adds to the humor. And as soon as you have them realize this, you're not only breaking the fourth wall, but you're ruining this in-joke that you have with the audience that the characters sure. don't realize. And what? so I, I, What? Have? You're trying to ruin his comic. <laughs> I've no, already, I, I I've already ruined the adventure time one. Theoretical <laughs> answer to a... A good question. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that's true. That's, that's true with a lot of TV shows too. You know, as soon as as soon as the the tension between two characters is over because they get together, show's over. It was kind of what ruined Frasier for me when Daphne and yeah. Niles finally got together. Oh, I thought I thought it was Frasier and and uh, his brother. <laughs> what? That's, that's, I, I only that's I, the I, Canadian I, version. Whoa, the show, whoa! They. they uh, we get an extra five minutes per episode in Canada. Uh, oh Don't know what you're missing. Well, that was the best thing to happen to friends because then the show ended. <laughs> they all get together at the end. I, you would think so. Well, that was the that was the parody. Different times. The, the hustler parody. Oh, I. We don't have photography <laughs> in Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, when when you going back to dinosaur <laughs> comics, when sure. when because I I'm let's leave hustler aside for now and yeah, focus yeah. on if we must. Uh, when when you first set out to do this, I mean, did you like just throw it up there, or did you do a few and then 
you know, did you immediately come up with the idea where I'm going to use the same panels every day, or you're just saying I'm going to use the same panels because it's going to make it easier? No, no, I had a I had a way what I thought was a way better idea where I I can't draw, and I thought I really want to work in comics. I like comics. I want to make my own comic. So what I'll do? I have this great idea of a a comic where it's always the same story, and it's drawn differently every every week. Okay. And so I sat down like, this is the exact wrong project. For me. <laughs> <laughs> then I flipped, like, what if you had the same pictures and told different stories? And that worked. And I actually found out uh, a couple years later, this other guy had the same process, but was actually an author or uh, artist, visual artist, and did a comic called Exercises in Style, where he had, I think, 100 different ways of telling the same stupid narrative of a guy coming down the stairs and getting a glass of milk from the fridge and forgetting why he's there. And he drew it a hundred different ways. And it was really gratifying to read. Because normally when someone has the same idea and does it, you're like, damn it, they stole my idea right. without even aware that I'd come up with it. But since I couldn't actually do that idea and follow it through, it was like, wow, this is the alternate universe where I'm a better, more competent person. <laughs> <laughs> and they did a really good job. And I, I, too, haven't read all the dinosaur comics out there, so correct me if you've already done this. Have you ever considered like having a guest artist like draw these like incredible dynamic uh, images, but just like kind of keep the same subdued, mellow yeah, writing. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> it's actually happened. Um, oh, okay. I used to do more often guest weeks where I just have my friends, cartoonist friends, run with the characters. And there was one told from, he steps on that tiny woman in panel four. Mm-hmm. And there was one told from her point of view where she sort of grabs the foot as it comes down, does this huge <laughs> kick. <laughs> and, uh, um, there's another one where they've been drawn as, actual dinosaurs like with feathers and scaled appropriately huh. Aaron Diaz who does a comic called Dresden Codec did that it was so much fun because it was these really well rendered scientific dinosaurs but they're talking about you know TV shows or whatever it's the same dialogue <laughs> but just wonderfully rendered dinosaurs very well, interesting yeah awesome it's pretty cool so um, uh, we should probably wrap this up soon Ryan but are there any other projects that maybe you, you want to talk to us about that you're maybe working on or thinking about working on? <laughs> um, let's see. I've got um, – I co-edit an anthology called Machine of Death, which is a bunch of uh, stories all based around the same premise, premise of a machine that can tell you how you're going to die, which sounds really morbid, but it's not. <laughs> uh, so you get, you get a blood test, and it's like, oh, you're going to die of old man – age <laughs> old manism it can be old, old man, man. you're like does that mean old man's gonna kill me am i gonna be an old man who just dies of being oh, too it's old cryptic like that like yeah, that, yeah, yeah like that episode of uh twilight zone with yeah, the little devil old world sense of and irony episode of friends what episode of friends i don't know that show <laughs> I, why are there so many friends references <laughs> it's, it's sarah loves the show <laughs> but yeah old age could mean you die of old age or an old man runs you over in his car and so there's this uh there's a whole anthology we put out last year uh, based on that, that was the number one best-selling book on Amazon for a day, which is fun. And we're doing awesome. a sequel next year. Amaz- Amazon Congrats. or Amazon Canada? Amazon.com. The, the real Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> we beat out Glenn Beck that day, and he, he called us out in the show as being part of a liberal culture of death. Did he Did really? really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my like, what the God. Hell? Well, that isn't even, like, greater reward. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations, like, yeah, times 10. Culture of death. Here we are. And uh, so, and you're Canadian, no less. So you're, you're immigrant culture of death. I know. <laughs> I know. So many things wrong with you. Well, well. 
What, what's the release date on Adventure Time? Yeah. February what? Uh, February question mark. I'm not sure. Uh-oh. Okay. I will definitely be getting that. Yeah, me too. Sweeting it with my daughter. Or I'll steal it from you. No, you're not doing <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for talking to us today. I'm going to go pleasure. and uh, read all of your dinosaur comics. That'll take you a while, but thank you. <laughs> because they're great. And also buy the uh, T-Rex plushie. Oh, yes. He's really soft. Yeah. Oh. I, I got distracted. I was reading it, and then I'm like, oh, what's this? Things to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I should not... rename that link to things to buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be good. Do it. Oh, can you, can you purchase? Uh, I mean, have you compiled them, or is, are they just available on the Oh, site? yeah. No, there's, uh, there's two books out so far of, mm-hmm. um, of the comics, uh, both collecting a year's worth of comics with all the bonus material and secrets on the website are also there in the book. Ooh. Yes. Very cool. All right. Thank you, Ryan. My pleasure. Thank hope, you, guys. I hope it's not cold up there. Oh, it's like plus nine today. Ooh. So we, yeah. That's well nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Bye. All right, so, so that was fun. Yeah, yeah, mm. woohoo! Adventures. But I mean, seriously, I mean, I I've been so intrigued by the show since seeing it, and I was just like, "What the heck is this show about?" And now you know they have like action figures and stuff that you can buy the sword, and and so it's, I'm just like, I, I gotta start watching. But part of the problem now also is because the show has been on for three seasons. It's like I'm I'm. I'm one of those where it's like I, I gotta watch it from the beginning. It's like mm-hmm. I don't want to just jump in, but I'm assuming it'd probably be pretty safe to just be able to jump in. Yeah, no, I definitely think so because so. I mean, we—I'd never watched it before, and then we—I watched part of an episode before we uh, started talking to Ryan, and I totally got into it. And I'd never even—I'd never even heard of it before, but that's also because I didn't have Cartoon Network. <laughs> The last three years. I've actually had people, like, talk to me about it, and I kind of just, like, you know, zoned it out just because I'd never heard of it. But now, yeah, now that I've seen it, I'm like, wow, these people are really onto something. I probably should have actually listened to them. Yeah. <laughs> but we always do that around the house where it's like, what time is it? And, you know, me and my daughter. And, you oh, know, really? we've never watched because we, we they see the commercial, like, you know, we'll, we'll watch, you know, like Young Justice or, you know, Brave and the Bold or something like that. And, you know, we, we record on DVR, so fast forward to the commercial. But when I always go back. And whenever there's an Adventure Time commercial, and just watch it because it's just, it looks so strange. And we just, I, we just, we're like, just in, watch it in silence. Just like, <laughs> like, what the heck is going has on? She, has she ever wanted to watch it? We've talked about it. I mean, because like I said, you know, she has that hat, and every once in a while she'll, she'll put it on and just, <laughs> just put it on, walk around the house. And <laughs> just Sounds like, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then there was this other show on, um, cartoon network called secret saturdays which was really cool and i, I wish it, it it lasted and they're um the, it was it's basically these parents they're like scientists explorers and they have a kid and then they go after these cryptids which are like these you know creatures and stuff like that and so the the mom has this like flaming sword and, and so it's, it's a sword and then you know the end lights up or mm-hmm. fires up so they, they made a, a toy sword of that so i got that for her when one mm-hmm. one time and and there's been a couple times she's walked around. Like, Adventure time, you know. Like I said, we've never watched the show, but we know what it is. So. Hmm. You should start DVRing it. It seems like a quality. Yeah, show. I'm pretty sure it's on Monday nights. Oh. I think actually, I think, and I think, um, I think January 16th new episodes air, which they're all going to be new to us except for 
the first one or first two. <laughs> right. Awesome. So let's talk about this week's comics. Woo-hoo. Yeah, let's do that. There's this little comic called Action Comics, number it's five. really good to see this tiny comic getting some press. That came out. <laughs> um, it begins. So great comic. Uh, this was amazing. Uh, amazing. Only complaint, which is a minor thing, and you know we talked about this before, is the last issue, you know, we, we got here's Steel, here's Metallo, big fight, you know, Metropolis in a bottle, and what's going on? Let's go back to the origin. <laughs> yeah, Let's, that was that I was gotta, a. I got to dangle that a little bit more. It, it was it was bad enough um, that the last issue took a break from the battle, and it's like to see the rest of this battle. Go read the backup, and then it comes back. But this is like stopping the battle, and then it's like, what's going to happen to Metropolis? Yeah, find out in two months. So we got this really cool, and it's Andy Kubert drawing it, so it's like awesome. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much, you know. So I, I I did one of those spoiler articles. So we find out where did the cape come from, which you know because we've seen Superman's origin so many times, and there's been so many little variations. And where you know one was the the blanket was you know it was, it was Superman's blanket and his rocket ship. The other it was just part of the costume that that Martha made. And you know we saw in issue two that the the cape is indestructible. You know they were, the the army was like shooting at it, and so we find out that it's actually Superman's grandfather's cloak. So he probably doesn't even know that. He probably doesn't yet. He probably just thinks, oh, it's mm-hmm. just, just some, some blanket. He might know that. He might know. Um, we, we find out that, that Laura, what, a, what, what would they call her? A mother matician or something? Yeah, yes. mother matician. Yes. <laughs> um, I love Grant Morrison. <laughs> we, we, we see it at the Phantom Zone. We find out what happens to Crypto. And w- what makes the regular Superman comic a little more interesting because there's been that, that homeless guy. That said something about a ghost dog talking. Clark's like, I mean, he was talking to Clark when he was Clark, not Superman. Mm-hmm. So they mentioned a ghost dog, and then there's mention of ghost dog here. Mm-hmm. And um, we also find out because what I wrote, I think last summer, I, I wrote about why they only sent Superman, why only Baby Kal-El came to Earth in a rocket, yeah. why why didn't both of them, you know? And so here they mentioned it. Yeah, it, they, it was we a know why. yeah. yeah. Well, no, because what what happened originally? Because the the original origin has again was it was told several times, like in the, in the comics, the Daily Strip, and in the regular comics. And because the first issue, you didn't really see that; you just see the rocket take off. But but it it seemed like in some interpretations, Lara could have gone with, but her host thing thing was my place is by your side, Jarrell. So it's like screw the baby; the baby can go off by itself. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stick with you. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that that was weird. It's like. Why would she just? Why you know? Why would they just send her? Yeah, yeah. They're trying to protect her kid. It's like, okay, our planet's about to blow up. Let's send the kid off. Hopefully, you won't fly into a sun or an asteroid or something Mm -hmm. like that. But just the fact, it's like, would you really send your kid out there alone just because? Oh, I gotta be by my spouse, you know. But it's like, no, you you know, you want to. You probably go with your kid. You tend to put your kid first, right? And then you know, hopefully, you'll be able to protect. I think. I think John Byrne was actually. I, I think there's a rumor that he was going to retell the origin where Lara actually did come to Earth and survived with Clark, which would have been really weird. Yeah. Because um, I don't know if the Kents would have adopted her, too. Or, no. <laughs> or, She's know. our long-lost cousin. Yeah. So um, so we find out. I mean, it, it's it's still – yeah, yeah. So in here, this Jor-El says there is no room for her on there. But in other tellings that there was room. So we, we find out about that. And, and that makes more sense, right? Yeah. I mean, that that makes a lot more sense. Like she she didn't go because there wasn't room, not 
not because she wanted to stay behind. Yeah, and die with her husband. I was like, oh, it's a baby. He's only been here two months, and I'm not that even, attached to him. Even Jonathan Kent in some versions is like, what kind of idiot puts a baby alone in a rocket? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is great. And then, you know, we get lots lots of revelations here, and then it just gets trippy towards the end, and I don't even know if I want to say any more about No, about but that. the end was I mean, pretty cool. It's just, yeah. just, just crazy. So very, very good. Because the last couple issues I thought were, were – not as great as the first couple. Mm-hmm. So this one, I liked it again. It was back up there. So it's great. Uh, Avengers Annual number one. So it was September, I believe, when the new Avengers Annual came out where Wonder Man's like, blah, blah, blah. Avengers did does this. They got to stop. And yep. I'm mad and make this team. Or... I take it you disagree with his logic. Tony. Well, he's just I mean, cause picking up. He, like, it was, I think it was Avengers number one where he, he goes to Steve's like, you guys got to stop. You can't do the Avengers and all this stuff. And they're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, right. And, yeah. and then he attacks them in the next issue. And so what was kind of weird and, and this is what, what inspired my article about, you know, do the, the, the Avengers don't avenge anyone. You know, they don't inflict harm in retaliation of, of, you know, basically it's like here's the Masters of Evil or here's, you know, whoever, Kang the Conqueror, let's go stop them. You know, they, it's like they, they sit around and they wait for something bad to happen. Then they go out and try to save the world. But it's not like, oh, this person got a black eye when, you know, the wrecking crew robbed the bank and a chunk hit him in the face. You know, it's like they don't go after that. They – so I always thought it was weird – but here, it's like when 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 Cap and Hawkeye when when they see what happened to the Avengers Mansion and that everyone got their butts kicked. I mean, no one was was really hurt. I mean, Doctor Strange, you know, Wong's like, I can't revive him or something like that. No. But it's like they get pissed, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> and which is weird because they they've been beat before, and it just it seemed really weird that, that, that they were so angry about this. I mean, I don't know if it was because it. I mean, it can't be because it was was Wonder Man that did it because Luke Cage was really mad. But well, that was well, I mean, yeah, it's because his, his, kid. his kids are. Kid but, but what we saw is, you know, they waited until Squirrel Girl and and Danny were out at the park, and then they attacked. You know, they don't know that. But I mean, I don't know if that's what made them angrier. But it's just like they were pissed off, and they go. At, I mean, it was great. And then, I think it's because it's a bunch of ex allies, you know. It's like not some guy with a, an axe to grind. Like these are all former Avengers. So uh, no, 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 not, not, yeah, not <laughs> all of them. I mean, but well, Goliath is kind of a former Avenger in spirit. But I mean, Atlas yeah. was an Avenger for a while, uh, yeah. or at least a Thunderbolt. <laughs> so, and then you know, Simon Williams is doing a press conference because that's what everyone always does. Like Norman and <laughs> these Alex. days, yeah. And I just, I just love when the Avengers show up and they're just, they're just like, we're gonna do this now and. So I mean, it was it was just really cool. I I don't like that it took so long between issues. Yeah, and you know this takes place before Fear itself. Okay, it's just kind of killed a lot of the momentum. The last yeah. page was really good. And yeah. and that's the thing. So it's like you you kind of wonder what does that mean at the end? You know, it's, and I I I like to think that you know Bendis has something else planned with this. You mm-hmm. know, this isn't the end of it. I mean, you're not gonna do a story that takes place over, you know. <laughs> Two annuals and then just leave it at that. Although, you know, a lot of times the annual stories are throwaway stories, but this feels like, you know, we're going to see more yeah, of this. Yeah, no, there's definitely This feels like they left here. a real mystery mm-hmm. yeah. to solve. And, and, you know, there are some, some questions where, you know, we, we kind of see a little more. You know, we find out, like, what Simon's motives were besides just being angry, you know, 
So yeah, and I actually kind of like dig his, like his motives. Like I actually think his whole logic behind this is, not, if not sound, it at least there's something to it. But it's like the ultimate question, you know. I mean, you ask the same question of Batman: Would, um, would there be like the kind of crime in Gotham that there is if there were no Batman? Yeah, the you know, there like wouldn't be a Joker. Social Darwinism. All right, then we had Wolverine and the X-Men Alpha and Omega, number one, limited series, Brian Wood. I don't know how I feel about this. You didn't really like it, did you? I like it quite a bit. My my problem is I almost feel like I don't know if this is really necessary. I mean, it's like we just you – know, Wolverine and the X-Men just started. You know, They've had, what, two issues. And then it's like already we're getting a miniseries that is basically just Quentin Quire being angry at Wolverine. It's like – we're already seeing that in the series. It's it's like at this point, it's like I could see maybe if you know we're half a dozen issues in the regular series, and I just feel like you know it's it's interesting what Quentin does here, and if then maybe that's going to be the whole point. I mean, if you look at the cover and you're like, you know, why is Wolverine dressed like that? You know, I mean, you find out, and if that's what the whole miniseries is going to be, you know that 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 I don't know how I maybe feel. I just like it because I, I feel like this is how. Because I actually sort of kept up with that uh, that Vengeance comic, mm-hmm. and I feel like the way they're writing Quentin in here is how um, Ultimate Nullifier—that was his name, right—should yep. have been written. And unfortunately, he never like got his comeuppance. He always like was kind of a jerk and remained a jerk throughout the comic. Whereas in this, it feels like Quentin is actually going to grow as a character, hmm. as opposed like to like just being this vapid, shallow, thrill-seeking mutant. <laughs> I just, I hope. In, in both books, that they, they do – because I don't just want Quentin to be, well, I'm the angry kid. I'm so powerful and blah, blah. You know, it's like he needs to get over it first of all. You know, he, he hates everyone or whatever. And, you know, because we kind of saw in the second issue of Wolverine and X-Men where he actually helped save the day, where, you know, he communicated with, with the Krakoa. But there was kind of a reverse psychology thing going where they were like, oh, whatever, Quentin, you couldn't save the day even if you wanted yeah, to. And he but, was but like, he, I'll show yeah, you, I'll save the day. So he still kind of <laughs> does it. And, you know, so there's and, – and at the end when they're, they're like, Rachel, did you have something to do with this? And they're like, I don't know. And, and he could have easily said, no, I did it, but, you know, he didn't. And, you know, so I feel like that I don't want him to be, you know, all of a sudden hugging everyone and, you know, holding hands or something like that. But I don't think he's going to be. I think at the end of the day, and what this really communicated well to me was that all he wants is acceptance. He just doesn't know how to go about getting it. So, like, you know, they, they go out of their way to to make it clear that he's not just some, like, you know, jerk. Like, when he's, when he's like, transporting them to different places so that he can better telepathically control them, he's like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not doing this in a skeevy, creepy way. I'm not going to, like, probe your secrets. I'm not going to you know, violate your privacy. Like, I'm just doing this to prove a point. South thought he was talking about because he's got this unconscious girl here. And Well, there's that too. Your hands to yourself. Well, and, yeah, I mean, and yeah, that kind of was what he was doing. But yeah, I, just, I don't know. I kind of feel like he, he's really well written in this. Well, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. I like Brew. Yes, Brew is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing. Speaking of hilarious. Swamp Thing number five, Monsters of the Rot. <laughs> this so, is such a graphic book. <laughs> yeah, this... Uh, um, I I don't want to give away like one of the big cool things that happens. It starts out in Brazil. Cool, give me. In Mat- Mato, Mato, Mato Grosso. Have you been there? Uh, Is that a real place? Yes, it's a oh, real awesome. place. Yeah. It's not like Latveria. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and and then things get a little gross. So that, that's the thing. I mean, you get this you know great story, and then just all the 
the scenes and stuff. And it, it's great the interaction between Alec and Abby because mm-hmm. Abby and Swamp Thing were together, and Alec was not Swamp Thing, but he has all these memories. So like they're they're getting um, you know supplies and stuff there at, at a, a store, and he's like, "Here's some peaches," and she's like. He's like, because I, I know you, you like peaches, even though I don't, you know. See, he has the memories, but even though they're not his, so he just got all that that weird awkwardness, and then the fact that her brother is, her little brother is this crazy kid, and things Avatar get gross, death. and <laughs> dead pigs. <laughs> just, it's just, but then something really cool happens, and it's just like, yeah. Yeah. So, I really love what DC is doing with panels in some of their weirder books. Like uh, this book, especially Animal Man, Batwoman. Yeah. Like just the... They're experimenting a little more in it. it yeah. It adds to the, the storytelling. So, I mean, it, it's it's really, really cool. Yeah. I, Zombie, number 21. So this is Chris Robertson. Uh, Mike already did the cover. He did not do the interiors. I guess he got a break, which... And after 20 issues in a row, I, think, I don't think he's... I'm trying to think if he's taken off any... So the art here is by Jay Bone. Um, if people haven't been keep, so the the premise of I Zombie is you have Gwen. She's a zombie. She's not like a the, the, a decomposing zombie, but she she works as a grave digger and she has to eat brain every once in a while <laughs> to keep her memories intact. You know, so she has her. You know, she she doesn't remember too much from before she was killed and turned into a zombie, but. If she, you know, doesn't eat human brain, then she's going to lose what little she has left. And the problem is when she eats brain, she kind of gains the memory of that person. So, like, if they had any unresolved issues, she's, like, compelled to follow up on this. Her best friend is a ghost that, you know, lives, lives in a crypt. Her other friend is a, a were-terrier. Hmm. Not a werewolf. No, of course. I had to explain it to my daughter. She's like, were-terrier? Um <laughs> So and and they live up in Oregon, you know, small town. And vampires came. There's these these guys that were like vampire hunters, you know. And but what has happened recently is there has been like a big zombie outbreak in the town. And so other so basically it's, it's come to the attention of the people. So basically, the status quo of the book has been you know turned on its side, where it's no longer they're in this little little quiet corner, you know, because there's these this other group in the government that is aware of her existence. So I I think it's. I, I think it's easy for a series just to stay in their comfort zone. It's like, okay, here, here's our setup. We're just going to do this. You know, we're not going to – it's like, you know, when, when the X-Men, they had the, the X-Mansion the whole time. You know, it was like we don't need to go anywhere else. You know, we can go out in space once in a while. We come back. We always got this. And then, you know, you blow up the mansion. You move them to San Francisco. You know, you're really changing everything. You know? So that's what they're doing here. And, you know, we're not even two years into the series and they're already – Change everything, which I think is great. Is that a funny book, or is it like, is it a dark comedy? Is it serious? Because um, I haven't kept up with it. But you just said Were Terrier, and I'm like, yeah, I yeah. Completely so it's, there, there, this there, book. there's some of that. I mean, it, it's definitely a lighthearted book, even though you know you have these monsters, if you want to call them that. But you know, it's it's not it's not dark and you know gothic or anything like that. I mean, okay. and, and you know, it's normally Mike Mike Allred doing the art and Laura Allred doing the colors, so it's you know, it's just so vibrant and everything. So I, I I'm digging it. You know when. Mike first announced that he was taking a break from Madman to, and he was going to be doing this. I was like, okay, but it, it's it's good. I like it. Uncanny X-Men, number four. We, I think we just had one last week. I think so, yeah. Week four. So um, the Fal- Phalanx. Phalanx. I, I never liked them, that, that miniseries I had, where I had the, the option of the sparkly covers, like holographic <laughs> stuff. Um, I have to narrow it down a little bit more than that. It was the 90s. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> 
they're back. But what's interesting here is we basically we hear it from the perspective of one of the surviving members, and because Mister Sinister was involved, and he used. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, I don't like these. I hated these. I thought it was the stupidest idea, and the creatures infecting people, controlling all that stuff. But what they do here, and you know, hearing it from the perspective of this creature, this you know entity. I mean, it's just it's really interesting, and then. Um, the way it ended, it's kind of like, whoa. Yeah, so it's I, a little I, bit I was, tragic. I was, yeah, I was, I was like, I didn't expect to kind of feel some sympathy. It's kind of like Grendel or Wicked, where you see it from, like, the villain's perspective, and it's sort of like, a, hey, it turns out they're not actually just evil for evil's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Punisher, number seven. Very little actual Punisher in this, yeah, uh, Punisher <laughs> this light, particular issue. flashback. Um, so it's just it's moving the story along. I'm I'm I I think I'm surprised by that. That you know this is this is an ongoing story. I mean, the first issue started off where you know we we had this couple who was gonna get married and people are get get killed. And so it's still following along with that, mm-hmm. which is great. That it, you know, normally it's Punisher going after this guy, killing him, and then the next one. You know, so there's there's no connection here. So this is just just ongoing and and we're we're seeing a lot of the perspective from the others and from the police force which you know you don't really get a whole lot of that it's just usually you know punisher shows up kills and then goes on so it's it's really... I always like when or I often like I should say when books do that they give you the outsiders perspectives and they give you very little of what's going on inside the hero's head yeah cuz i mean the, the first few issues like punisher i mean frank never even talked mm-hmm. you know there, there's like no dialogue from him. and you know he said a couple things but that's what's weird, and that almost makes him more intimidating because you know he just shows up, just does his thing, and you know he's not gonna. It's not like an action movie where you know he's gonna be making smart remarks all yeah. the time. Uncanny X Force nineteen point one. Enter now, the Age of Apocalypse. Right, so we're gonna man, have... the Age of Apocalypse sucks. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like this at all. Oh no, no, no I love it, but the world itself is just like man. Oh, oh man, that's a terrible world to live in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, no I, I really love this issue. It's though, pretty bad. Mistake. So if you don't know, um, sort of reversing the whole mutants versus humans thing on its head. The X Men are are uh, siding with the few humans that are left because uh, mutants reign in the um, Age of Apoc- Apocalypse. Like a more grim House of M. <laughs> yeah. Um, this isn't an Uncanny X-Force book. This is an Age of Apocalypse intro. Yeah, which prologue. is kind of weird. It's it kind of like what, what they did with Venom and Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. didn't fit there. It also takes place in the middle of the Uncanny X-Force storyline. So um, the Dark Angel saga, it, it, it sort of happens in the middle because they, they do mention that Nightcrawler's not there. Um, and yeah, like they allude to it a little bit. So I think that's why this story felt like you sort of just jump into it and you don't really know what's going on. Um, and there's also that point one book, which gave us a glimpse of some of these characters that you see on the cover. Um, so this is sort of the, uh, prologue to this new ongoing series and it was okay. Um, it's, it's weird. Like they killed off like all yeah. these characters. Yeah, I don't. That's what I didn't like. That so. I was. I was like, oh, these people are in this book. Cool. Yeah. Oh no, they're dead. <laughs> I mean, nope. I, I can see if they they don't want to rely on. And here's this character that's a different version of them that you've seen a bunch of stories already. But just to kill them, it's like okay, just set them on the side. You know, yeah. fo- have the focus on. I mean, it's a big world. You can focus. But the fact they just killed them, uh, I don't know. But. So that sort of rubbed me the wrong way too, and um, but it's interesting. Uh, w- William Stryker is very interesting in mm-hmm. this book. So I'm, I'm, I'm 
and ex- completely different than. Let's see, a lot of villains who are heroes due yeah. to like circumstance. X Factor number two twenty nine. Love this. So on the cover, <laughs> this issue, one of these characters will die, and it's just a bunch of Madroxes. <laughs> um, what? I, okay, so the, the where this starts off and where the last issue ended. We've seen this before, like long ago, where there is a vision of Layla Miller and Madrox on their wedding night, both butchered, killed. So it's like, when the heck is this going to happen? You know, what's going to how? Because Layla was like twelve. Yeah, when and, this and then first happened, and then she and one of the Madrox clones went into the future during Second Coming, and they get, she was actually stuck there for a while. She she killed. She she killed the the Madrix dupe to send his his memories back. I think so because they they were stuck in the future. So they yeah. were in and that's that's where the the tattoo came from. And so they were and they had gained some information that they needed. So since they couldn't travel back, if the the dupe died, then Madrix Prime would would gain the the memories. So she was there for a while, and when she did come back, she had aged. So we see the scene. And we finally get the explanation for it. I don't think I really like the explanation here. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's an interesting twist. It's like, oh, what's going to happen? But uh, I hate to say it, but I almost felt like it was an easy way to explain and get out of. Yeah, but we still have the unanswered question because Madrix died. Was it two last issue or the issue before? Issue. Or was it last issue? It might have been. Maybe it was the last issue. No, it was the issue before because now he's like dimension hopping yeah. basically. Yeah. So there's but, still another mystery to be solved, but I do agree that that payoff was a little weak. <laughs> but it's, I, I, I love X Factor. Yes. Animal Me Man. Me too. Uh-huh. I love it too. Mm-hmm. Animal Man number five. Speaking of incredibly disturbing. So look at that cover. No. She looks like a little turtle person. Yeah. No, turtles are cute. So this <laughs> is this is totally gearing up. For um, the crossover with 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 Sandman, because you know, in in or Sandman Swamp, Swamp Thing, because huh? in Swamp Thing you got the green, and then you you got the, the 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 rot, which is like the black, and then you got the red. So you know, this is all coming together, and they even mentioned Swamp Thing could be the only one that can help us. And Jeff Lemire is sick. I can't believe this isn't a Vertigo book, quite frankly. Well, that's the thing. It, that's that's the strange thing about an, this this Animal Man and Swamp Thing. It's like they could totally be Vertigo books, and I guess it's true. As long as you don't have sex and swearing, you can put anything. Like, but, but, the but the other thing is, it's like the other way. these don't really need to be in the DC universe. I mean, it's great that they incorporated them. Like the first issue of Swamp Thing, you know, you, you had Superman show up and you had, you know, glimpses of I Aquaman. I felt kind of forced, though. Yeah. It's, so it's like the way these are going, it's like it's it's strange that it's not catching anyone's attention. These could very easily be Vertigo titles, though. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a nice thing because I know a lot of people had feared that you know when, when there's always been talk of you know bringing them over where people assumed that they were going to be watered down to be in the happy DC universe. They but, are not. But, <laughs> nope. Um, we're seeing a lot of more mature things happening. And we have Batman Detective Comics number five. Um, what was strange about this is there's two different stories here. Mm-hmm. So they're both written by Tony Salvador Daniel. Uh, it's it starts off where people are blaming Batman for the disappearance of the Joker for the mutilation. They don't know where the Joker's at. There's people actually protesting Batman. All these Joker sympathizers. Um, so he he's dealing with that. And then we have a second issue, which 
involves Catwoman, which is kind of kind of strange. Um, Tell me more. Well, it's, it's just weird because it's like Catwoman has her own series. It's like, do you need to do a Catwoman? It's not. I mean, yeah, we have we have all these different Batman stories. Well, why couldn't it have been Cassandra Cain? <laughs> or you know, you know, some other character that doesn't exist. Although she doesn't exist. Well, I'm, I don't think you'd want Cassandra Cain to be here. Oh dear. No, I wouldn't. So, but it's just weird, you know. It's like of all the characters, there are so many other. You know, it could have been Man Bat or you know someone else. You know, who wrote it? Tony Salvador Daniel. You're right. So it's just weird that they they use Catwoman and you know whether or not this feels like the same Catwoman in her own series. You Does know, it feel like it? No. I, I I was reading this this morning, so I didn't finish that. I started that one. That's that's backup story. Then we have Batwing number five, side by side with Batman. How's this Batman feel? Uh, there's no point. So um, <laughs> you could literally just take any other character that has money and put him in this book. Iron Batman, Man? sure. No, because Iron Man's Sarah. Uh, Iron Man is yeah. from Marvel Comics. <laughs> this is DC. It doesn't matter. My point is it doesn't matter. Batman appears, like, for two pages. He doesn't really say anything. There's no point. I think it pretty much. That's about it. Um, I like the fact that uh, Judd Winnick, his name escaped me for a moment, (laughs) Judd Winnick is sort of exploring the backstory uh, of uh, David, uh, the guy who has become Batwing. And uh, you get that in the first few pages. But really, nothing happens here. Also, the fact that we don't really have a background in I don't, so many I was, I was just going to ask you. It's like me. the art is good, but I'm flipping through the pages here because I didn't re- re- read this yet. It's like no background, no background, no background. So here's the thing. Judd Winnick, we did an interview with him like back in the – June, July. Yeah, June, July-ish. And we sat down and we talked to him about how he's going to be taking Batwing throughout – all of Africa. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know, Africa is a continent. <laughs> so there are a lot of different countries. I always kind of roll my Africa. eyes whenever they say he's the Batman of Africa. Right. I'm like, I mean, that's a lot of landmass to cover. Right, but it's a really big place. That's fine. I totally understand he's the Batman of Africa, you know, whatever. But there are different countries in Africa, and they don't all look like Egypt, <laughs> you know? And, and so I. I don't know. I, I think that if he's going to be going into different areas of Africa, I'd like to see the diversity in the background of the Some panels. Parts are I'd like actually to see quite that reflected. <laughs> you know, like like for example, like you look at the shade. You know, you have you have the shade going to different parts of the world, and those different geographical locations are reflected in the in the different panels. So when he's in Paris, you're going to know he's in Paris, or w- whatever. You know what I'm saying. That's a problem here. Yeah, right? I mean the the art is good. I mean it's no, definitely it's okay. You know, like it, it, the the people. I mean that that's good. But then it's like the people look amazing. It's almost like the backgrounds are are the sacrifice to get the people. Which you know we talked about John Byrne before, where you know he often doesn't put in backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So it's just well, it's interesting. Ariel Olivetti will do something where like his characters are super detailed, but his backgrounds are like really. I don't want to say primitive because that sounds odd, but like really like bare bones CG. So, like, it's kind of interesting. And, like, it's one of those things that I, I bet I just ruined Ariel Olivetti for a bunch of people because I didn't notice it until I noticed it. I, like, looked in the background. I was like, that is kind of like a weird late 90s, early aughts CG background. And then I looked on every page and I was like, 
oh my god, it's how he does everything. But doesn't that ruin like the panel? It absolutely you? didn't. It, it it kind of did at first just because I noticed it so much, but now I'm back to just admiring how amazing his characters look and how much I love his. I actually still love his art. But so mm-hmm. it it kind of, it's kind of like the Flintstones, and I thought about this when we were talking to Ryan yeah. about his dinosaur comics. Is <laughs> when when the Flintstones are running down, you know, you, you see background, same background, like. Flip repeating. It's it's like they're on you know a treadmill with a you know whatever scene, but I guess he just they parodied that on The Simpsons. Yeah, so you just like okay, you just overlook it. X twenty three number twenty. Sarah Luna. Oh yeah, I love this book. Um, so X X twenty three and Jubilee sort of team up in this, and the title is Girls Night Out, but it's not like your typical Girls Night Out, right? Um, they do talk a little bit about their respective futures. Uh, X-23 is trying to figure out, you know, should she join the Avengers Academy? Should she go team up with Cyclops? If you've been reading, like, everything Marvel's released, then you already know the answer to that. But it's nice to see that sort of mm-hmm. toyed with and, and, and played out and fleshed out in the story itself. Um, Jubilee's also talks to uh, Laura about her desire to, you know, eat people. <laughs> and and I think that, that, that that's interesting. Because um, Laura makes a point to to sort of tell her, you're, like, you're not a bad person, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, you sure you're a vampire, but you're still <laughs> Jubilee. You're still that nice girl I used to know. Whatever, it's great. Um, great ending to this book. I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I think you should get some earrings like that that say Sarah. <laughs> Big circle. It's super ghetto. <laughs> you're saying Jubilee is ghetto. Uh, her earrings are pretty ghetto. Yeah. So you wouldn't wear that. <laughs> Probably not. Defenders number two. So that Christmas present is going to be returned. Thanks, though, Tony. That's a re-gift. <laughs> I just have to find somebody else named Sarah. <laughs> exactly. Defenders number two, Matt Fraction, Terry Dotson. Uh, you like this book. The crawls at the bottom are becoming increasingly hostile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's um, there's a lot of a lot of there's some some good revelations here, like Namor. Smells like of fish. fish and salt. <laughs> <gasps> right. I mean, the, doesn't know anything. Yeah, he does. I mean, it's, there, it's it's weird because this doesn't feel like a traditional team book. I mean, you don't really have that. You know, it's it's clearly not the defend or the Avengers where you know they're they're all together. It's like they're kind of together. They don't necessarily really like each other. They're just there and. That's kind of necessary, though, because the Defenders are literally the strongest heroes in the Marvel Universe and Iron Fist. But, like, if you if you didn't have, like, sort of that inner conflict with them not really getting along, they would just steamroll over any threat. Mm-hmm. Fatal. Fatal. Such a good book. Number one. This is such a good book. This is, by this Ed Brubaker, is the, Sean the, Phillips. Of the books I read this week, this was my favorite. Hmm. Book one. That yeah. chases me. Pretty amazing. I mean, basically, I say this is a no-brainer. I mean, if you've read any of the criminal books, especially early ones, or Incognito, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's crime noir meets occult mm-hmm. stuff. It's great. Um, I, I don't know what else check it out. you can say. I don't want to ruin it. I reviewed and it. I, I think that's what um, Ed also said. He's like, don't read any reviews. Don't just, just go into it cold. And, you know, that's how he wanted it. And it uh, the first issue sold out with um, Diamond. So you can probably maybe oh. still find some at your comic shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, a second printing coming. So definitely, it's it's you want to pick it up. I mean, it's it's a number one. 
has nothing to do with any other universe characters or anything like that. So right. you, you can just go in. You could pick it up cold, as they say up in Canada, <laughs> what <laughs> the they say about a lot north. of things up in Canada. Um, it's definitely you. You want to check it out, you know. Yeah. It, you know, I everyone knows I love superhero comics, but I also love different stuff. You know, something fresh and different. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice that you know you can just jump in and read us, and it's it's a great story, great art. And I don't want to gush anymore because I sound like I'm just gushing too much. <laughs> Justice League International number five. Corey, did you read this? Nope, I did not either. So I've, I'm not going to ask you, sir. Yeah. Um, it's the last stand. Why? How do you know I didn't read it? Um. I just and again here's another problem is this Batman here just just feels doesn't feel like the Batman we're seeing in other comics. That none of them do. Like Batman feels like a different character in almost every book that he's in. I'd say the Catwoman Batman is the most consistent, or the the consistent to Batman Batman, which I kind of consider Batman prime. I don't know. I I, I don't really see Scott Snyder's Batman going at it with Catwoman wearing his costume, and <laughs> it just seems like a different. You should Batman. ask Scott. That's that's Can his you other ask side. Him that please. Um, well, maybe. Got to let off some steam, you know. Penguin Pride and Prejudice. I this is I think where I know I read a couple of things. Um, continuing the Penguin story, how was it compared really, to the others? Really good. Disturbing I, and good. It is, and they actually address something here that I've always thought Marvel uh, did better than DC. I don't know if DC's ever done this, or they probably have at some point. But the whole Batman, you know, people get out of jail because of what Batman does in this book. Like, because of how Batman does it. Like, he violates Miranda rights. He doesn't, like, you know. It's yeah. the whole civil rights thing that, like, Spider-Man has addressed a couple of times. But it's like And with, it's also addressed in Punisher number 7. Yes, it absolutely is. But, yeah, with Batman, it always seemed like they have to escape from Arkham Asylum instead of being let out because of an improper arrest. Whereas with this, it kind of delves a bit more into that. Um, Penguin continues to sort of, like, be pushed and pushed. We're, we're out of his backstory now, and we are just in the present. Uh, no more flashbacks. It's really good, like, what he does. And just, like, the, the insights into his mind. Like, Penguin is actually going to be legitimately frightening after this book, I think, if they continue to write him like this. Well, he's in Detective Comics. Is he frightening in that? He's only, like, the last page of his turn. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> I mean, I, he's on the cover, but he doesn't really show up. Hawk and Dove, number five. Sterling Gates, Rob Liefeld. This is his last book, right? I, I, I think so. Yeah, because I think um, Rob is... Writing and he's writing next one. I don't know if that's a permanent thing or if Sterling's getting a break or whatever. Because I don't, I don't think I've seen an official announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman is going to be in the next issue, of course. And this, DC's this, this ties up the the Condor story. Um, there's s- some stuff about Dead Man that you know if you're following the series and know about Dead Man and Dove, you're gonna want to see about that. Mm. Huntress number four, Murderer. So okay, I, I like the way that uh, I like Paul Levitz's voice for the Huntress. Okay, but <laughs> I think that there's so much wrong with this issue. Thank you. That doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Yeah. Um. So the whole thing is, she's hanging out with like these two reporters who don't know her identity. However... Which I complained about in the first issue. But then they pick her up on a boat <laughs> when she's in costume. I'm like, wait a second. When did this conversation go down? Ugh. I don't recall her ever disclosing the fact that she was a huntress or them like making the implication that they knew. You when know? she threw that letter, pen or whatever, knife in the first issue. Oh, yeah. I mean, she made, she, I mean there were enough hints, but they never... This cover is also monumentally misleading, which I don't normally complain about, 
but this one is addressing a specific plot point, like that completely just never even remotely. Oh, you gets mean like on. like the stuff like the like the words? Yeah, yeah. Like she never comes to that crossroad. Okay, like, so kind of spoiler alert, I guess. But... Murder? No, she doesn't actually kill anyone. All she does is shoot a bunch of arrows and like. But like I figured there was going to be like sleeves so that their guns drop out of their hands. But then she leaves the girls on the boat. Like she gets to the boat, she like confronts the guy, like the really bad guy. He's got a bunch of girls that he's you know because he kidnapped them. Right. They're like everybody, like all his henchmen are still on the boat. Right. But <laughs> she just leaves them there. So none of them like, are like even unconscious. Their sleeves are just pinned to a wall. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's like you understand they can take their jackets off. They can rip through the fabric. Yeah, like, exactly. These are big Let's guys. Pick the guns back up. <laughs> none, like, what was the point? And then she had like she never like, comes to the moral crossroads either. No, she has never she like doesn't. she's never even like man, I'm going to kill this guy, but no, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. Like, but oh, he's such a scumbag. Yeah, like this this was horrible. She just leaves. <laughs> and then Paul Levitt spent like an entire page going like going over how how clever is the huntress? She took like this little device and then she interfered with all the radio frequencies yeah. so that they would be isolated on this boat. But then, like, the, her little friends on the speedboat knew the boat's coordinates. How does that work? Whatever. Yeah. I just gave away the whole book. Red Lantern number five. Did. I don't know about this book. Mm. <sighs> That's how I feel about this Cheesecake. book. Cheesecake. <laughs> uh. What? There's a nice cheesecake shot there. Oh, gross. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, the whole question of, you know, you got these red lanterns and, you know, what are you going to become? You know, like spirits of vengeance and... Which is a cool idea. Like, I like the idea of them being this... ex- like interdimen- or interdimensional, intergalactic specters. Wow, another one. This is really <laughs> bad. This is like the perfect book for anyone who played Mass Effect 2 and were like... <laughs> Like, really into, uh, what was her name, Liara? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I guess it would be And, that. like, paired up with her so as, like, as the love interest. Well, but it's like, one. you know, she's she wears too much clothing. This is, so <laughs> gross. This is much better for that because she's, like, you know, wearing armor. <laughs> and then there's um, those sort of the... <laughs> I the, can't stop seeing it The now. humans that appeared in the early issues, like, you know, one of these humans is going to become a Red Lantern. What's going to happen? Oh, boy. Oh. All right. How many butt shots are in this book? <laughs> Enough. Oh, also, covered. like, I don't think anybody's body twists like that, does uh, it? They never do. You keep saying that, but you never attempt it unless you attempt it. In, I'm not going to try I'm it. I'm not asking you to. I'm just saying you can probably do it in the privacy no of your own home. Tried it. Tried it. Has a... You tried that? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't work. Sure. Whatever you say, sir. Thunderbolts, number 168. <laughs> they are back in the f- present. Oh, I can't believe I didn't read this. I actually really liked Thunderbolts. <laughs> Corey. Oh. So we got Luke Cage and Songbirds. You know what I'm happy about? Songbirds growing her hair out. Awesome. I did not like her short hairstyle. Hmm. So I thought it worked. No, no, no. She's got to grow her hair out. <laughs> and yeah, so this Tony is Tony Guerrero this, commands this it. I do. Um, there's that. X Men number twenty three. Uh, this is continuing with the Sentinels and with War Machine and. War Machine calls Colossus Rusky. Yeah. It's like, really? Weird. You're going to say that? Um, this book is good, but it's also completely inconsequential. Jubilee dies. <laughs> I don't think that's where's, actually. Where's Jubilee? What happened? They, they don't know. So. 
He really Spoiler. is not dead. You got to read to find out. Can't Give write. that. Yeah, we'll see. Hulk number 47. So we have... My pile, my read pile. <laughs> we have um, Red Hulk and Red She-Hulk. Dun, dun, dun. I didn't get to read all this. We also have, um, was it X-51 Machine Man? Oh, I love Machine Man. So Jeff Parker, good stuff. X Club number two. I had a very large problem with this book. Okay, I didn't read this. I read the first one. It was mm-hmm. it was okay. I liked the idea. I like the book overall. Uh, there's this really funny running joke throughout it that Doctor Nemesis is having his internal monologue projected for everyone to hear, mm-hmm. which is very very funny. My problem with this book is that everyone, or not everyone, but many of the characters who should be incredibly self assured stammer at some point. Like Cyclops. Cyclops freaking stammers. He's like, because Dr. Nemesis asks him how he knows something, and he's like, I, uh, Emma said something about it. Uh, er, and I'm like, what the? Even when, you know, even before Cyclops had kind of his, you know, cool guy relaunch, he never would have been like, oh, er, uh, I'm not so sure about that. And like, it happens to Dr. Rao at one point. It happens to just like all these characters who in previous books and in previous incarnations have been. 100% self-assured. And it just seemed grossly out of character for a bunch of these people. It's still a, an interesting book and a good book. And a, as I said, the Dr. Nemesis stuff actually had me laughing out loud on the bus. Mm-hmm. But it, it just seems really inconsistent with how the characters have been written previously. Then we have yeah. <laughs> Green Arrow, number five. I say I like it. I don't even have to look at the cover. I know this is number five because... <laughs> We're in the fifth month. Because most of the new 52 books have synced up. Um, this is another one. It's like, I don't know what's going on with Green Arrow. This is not Green Arrow. I know. I don't know. So depressed. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of sad. You I sound mean, defeated. I mean, I'm s- trying to stick with it, but we'll see. I mean, maybe when Anne Nos- Nosenti, she takes over. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser number eight. Number nine, I mean. Number eight. For anyone besides me that cares, um, <laughs> big changes for Pinhead and Kirsty from the first two movies, and it's crazy stuff happened. And following Hellraiser, goes going with it <laughs> thematically, it's Peanuts Aww. from Kaboom. It's an adorable cover. It's Charles Schultz's cover. So cute. <laughs> um, so my daughter loved this. I do too. My, okay, my daughter's a little crazy. You know, she she has money sense. Mm-hmm. So my my one problem with this this is a three ninety nine book. You're kidding me? Kid, I mean most kids books. I mean like like the other ones are usually two ninety nine or even one ninety nine. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. I, I think I think most of them you know like like Brave and the Bold or Young yeah. Justice. You know, other kids books are are two ninety nine. So that's fine. So I'm looking at this. This is three ninety nine. I mean, my daughter can read this. She can zip through this like nothing. I mean, she she reads books like like nothing. I just don't know. I mean, I would love for this. I mean, this was it was a good good comic. I, I felt they captured the feel or the essence of peanuts. You know, that that's what the major complaint people are saying. You know, they shouldn't be doing it. They should just leave it and blah blah. It's like whatever. It's 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 happening. You know, you just don't buy it or you know whatever. So, um, it just you know I I want this book to be successful because I I heard it was a four issue miniseries, but then I don't know if it's an ongoing or not. I just I wonder if parents would come in and say, "Yeah, I'll pay four bucks for a comic." You know, when my kids get started on comics, I mean, I I just I don't know. It seems like a lot. So I asked my daughter. I showed her. I was, you know, a couple other comics. Like, look, this two ninety nine, two ninety. I was like, "How much would you pay for this?" She's like, 
forty dollars. <laughs> I'm like, and this is literally, I'm like, what? I was like, all right, go get me forty dollars. She's like, okay, because she still has a bunch of Christmas money. And I was like, no, you're crazy. You have forty dollars, and it's just no. I really like it. And, uh, <laughs> and so she would pay forty dollars for this, and that is crazy. So yeah. You know the way you were telling that story, I thought that she was gonna be like. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I wouldn't pay three ninety nine for that. No, I mean, she has good. She I mean, she's she's good with her money. I mean, she she'll have like money last, and and sometimes I'll she's let her paying stuff. forty dollars for peanuts comics. I don't know about that. Yeah, I wouldn't let her. <laughs> All right, um, that is the comics for the week. Woo. Oh no no no! Avengers Extinction number two. Oh yeah, that's what um, came out this week. Cable versus Iron Man. That's that that's what happens. <laughs> I, you Cable know, I, continues to be cryptic when he really should just be telling them, "Here's what happened. Here's what I got told. Make sure this doesn't happen." Yeah, Instead, he's like, "I'm just going to kill them all." The whole, the whole whole thing is okay. So we we can talk. We didn't talk specifics with the last one. You know, when he he did not die, obviously in Second Coming. You know, he there was a big explosion. His arm was left there. Somehow he repairs his armor. It repaired itself. You know, with the techno organic virus. So he's in the future, and then he realizes that, that he has 24 hours to live. So whether that's specifically 24 hours or a ballpark, when he comes to the present, you know, so he finds out something happens in the future, the world sucks because the Avengers did something. They killed Hope or did something happen to Hope. So he goes back to the present. He's got to stop them at all costs. But when he does come back, he mentions he has 18 hours. So sometimes, so okay, he did some prep work, got his arm fixed, Got some weapon, but then we find out when he's going against Iron Man, he's got Stark technology, and he's like, "Oh, you're an idiot because I built this." And he's like, "Wait, this isn't my stuff," and he's because you haven't built it yet. So he had some time to to get future Stark technology and all this other stuff, and I don't know. But it's I, like if, if you got all that time, it's like maybe do a little more research. Like what what actually? I happened? was gonna say I just like it when any plot, like movie, TV, comic book, is is contingent upon two characters never having a conversation. Because, like, if he had just come back, it, like, he knows these Avengers. He knows they're not going to just, like, murder a, you know, teenager for no reason. Like, if he came back and was like, hey, listen, I just got the, you know, I just got some info from this guy. says, you all kill my daughter. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> like, they're not, they're not the type to shoot first and ask questions later. The fact that, like, this notion of, like, him just going, like, I'm going to take down all of the Avengers to make sure this never happens. Mm-hmm. is like, uh, or you could be like, guys we sit down and uh, have a talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you guys don't kill my daughter. No, Maybe. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that would be cool. <laughs> Although they are trying to kill the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, so I mean, if the if if it winds up, like if this winds up all making sense, I will happily devour a plate of crow. <laughs> right? They, like, if I it mean, all winds up making sense, I will recant, but at, as of now, it just feels like this could all be fixed with a five-minute conversation. It just, it's, it's just Wolverine that wants her dead, right? Mm. No, they kind of all do. Yeah. They're not all thrilled with the whole House of M, no more mutants thing. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, so um, I think that's all the comics. I don't know if there's anything else. But I'm uh, moving on to sake of time. Um, Gotham City Imposter has been delayed from – it was supposed mm. to be out this month, so it's going to be yes. out in February. That's a last-minute delay. So it's, it's um, a download-only game. You can have up to 12 players – Running around shooting each other sounds like a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, they announced Lego Batman Two DC Superheroes cool. this summer. Cool. Um, the Avengers. There's possibly they're gonna be doing some reshoots. 
ask either him. this week or next week. So I don't know what that's going to mean. <laughs> you know, and obviously, you know, reshoots don't necessarily mean a bad thing, but we're going to do some other stuff. Uh, Batman Earth One has resurfaced. Yeah, we got some more pages. So it, it's, it's and we know that it's going to deal with Bruce's journey becoming Batman. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, and, and that makes sense if we're talking yeah. Earth One. It's a new origin, which. It, it kind of seems. I mean, when Superman Earth One came out, okay, you know, this is something new, something that you know, for other people don't read comics, they can just jump in, read this, great. But now that we've had the New Fifty Two, and then now we're gonna do like Batman's origin, which is another new version. I just, it seems weird. But um, if you know Gary Frank's doing it, heck yeah, I want to see that. Mm-hmm. So. so we'll see. And also. Um, yeah, uh, what was I think it was at New York Comic Con. They they revealed a cover to Superman Earth One Volume Two, but then DC put out a couple more pages. And again, neither of these have release dates yet. So, mm-hmm. which is good. It's like you know, don't make what make promises you're not going to be able to keep. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, how that goes. Something like that. <laughs> so it's like yeah, they're coming out. They'll they'll be out when they're ready, which is fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Superman Earth One Volume Two is it's going to be with Parasite, hmm. mm. which is better than Lex Luthor, maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't need to see Lex. Do you guys hear there's a rumor about who's going to be playing Lex Luthor in Man of Steel? I haven't heard this. No. Bradley Cooper, old twinkly eye. I could see that, but I think that was debunked. Do you know what? Every time I see Bradley Cooper, I think of Daniel because I think they look the same. Hmm. <laughs> What? I, no, I'm kind of seeing I, I it now, know now that you've I mentioned it. I'm like putting them side by side in my mm-hmm. head, and I can totally see it. Um, Mark Miller, mm-hmm. there's supposed to be a movie on Nemesis. Because, um, of course. Um, it was may, It's maybe put on hold. So Joe Carnahan, him and his brother, are um, writing the this, this, this screenplay or something like that. They need to put a jetpack in it. Uh, he, he tweeted to Mark, my brother and I were going to adapt Nemesis at Fox, and it got effed off oh my. which he didn't say effed off he said that yes um, I don't want to hit the explicit button <laughs> um, we are waiting for you to finish a series and then Mark replied seriously that's hilarious follow me so I can DM you <laughs> so it's like I don't know what that's about because I mean the thing is I, I think with, with Kick-Ass the story wasn't finished when they started they just started doing the movie and then you know the comic was still coming out and everything like that and they, they just moved forward with Nemesis, the first, I think it was six issues. I mean, the, the, story, the story's not over completely, but the first part of it is done. But there's supposed to be more. So whether it means the studio wants to know how it's going to end, or I mean, I don't know, or maybe there's some lack of communication. Because I mean, Mark seemed surprised, right. and, and you know, they're talking about it over Twitter, which doesn't it's seem weird. Like the best Al- although that could be like a, a perfectly good example of a Mark Millarism, Like him just... A, a smoke and mirrors type yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, like with the whole teasing of 616 and Ultimate Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and still one of my favorite reveals. Speaking of kick-ass, uh, what's her... I forgot the lady's name that's um, involved with the producer. She did some stuff. Anyways, um, she said that Matthew Vaughn likely won't direct kick-ass hmm. too, but he was going to be... In, producing it and i don't know what's gonna happen because you know chloe chloe moretz has been talking about it and obviously time has is going to pass in between 
the two movies. So I think she's supposed to be like Getting 16. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she looks a lot older, like in Hugo. So I think they're going to have it set up where like she's maybe 16 and, you know, time had, has gone by and which so it's probably gonna be different than the comic. Yeah, well, it's gonna have to be different from the comic in a lot of other ways too. Yeah, um, live action Akira, Akira, <laughs> it's been put on hold again. Again, um, apparently, you know, it's supposed to have a, a ninety million dollar budget. I think they want to work it like cut twenty million dollars off of that budget. That know. movie is going to flop so badly. And I'm not saying that because the source material is weak. Quite the contrary. I'm saying that because this thing has been a disaster from day one. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know how Marvel's been doing a lot of poly bags, especially you know, when they got the digital codes because you don't want you know, people to steal the codes and all that? Mm-hmm. They're talking about putting stickers instead of poly bags. So I guess that the sticker is thick enough. You know, on the last page, I, I'm not really sure how, how – Hmm. it's going to work, you know, because I would think, I mean, unless it's thick on both sides, you know, you, you got to make sure you, know, you can hold it up to the light. And, right. But I guess this way people can still flip through at the comic store and set up. I, I don't know. I'd I don't like the that. poly bags. We talked about yep. that. Yeah, but I don't know if stickers are going to work. I don't know. Um, DC revealed the name of the pink lady. <gasps> right, right, yeah. Pandora. Mm-hmm. How original. <laughs> I mean, all I can picture is Kratos yelling, Pandora! So it's like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. But on, on that note, so one of my theories was the Time Trapper. Mm-hmm. And they, there's mention of the Time Trapper in Action Comics. I was like, hmm. Mm. So the Time Trapper still exists in the New 52. I was amused by the Tiny Titans parody of the woman in pink. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like this just random person in purple who would like walk through a panel and everyone would be quiet and then they would all just pretend like she didn't walk through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Marvel and the IRS are, were having a discussion about whether or not mutants are human because they're another species. So mm-hmm. does that mean they are not human? Because the reason, t- the reason they're talking with the IRS about this is toys that are manufactured overseas, they get taxed when they come in, when they're shipped in. But toys that are based on non-human creatures are taxed less. So they're are trying you to, kidding They're me? trying to say the X-Men aren't human, so therefore any X-Men toys should be taxed less. Yep. It's like that, Corey. Well, guys, we had fun. Um, I have to go now. <laughs> I think it makes sense. I mean, they're, they're supposed I to be mean, another species. I mean, it does species. make sense, but... But then, the, on the other hand, if they're not human, does that mean they do not have human rights? I thought it was just a mutant X gene. Well, there's other things. So if... if well, you you have the, 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 the mutant gene. So does that mean if you're born with the gene, are you not a human? Or are you not a human once you hit puberty and the gene kicks in? The way that I always looked at it was, you know how um, some... Like a person that's born with like a, a genetic disorder, they have something in their gene that's different, but that doesn't mean that they're not human. Yeah. Um, like they're du- still human. It's just different. Like like being double-jointed or having a widow's peak is a mutation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, their definition of, of mutants is different. Yeah. Like Spider-Man mutated. He's not a mutant. Right. So they'd still have to pay that tariff on the on the Spider Man toys. You know, Fantastic Four mutated. <laughs> I don't know. But then the thing is, because you know, like Magneto's thing is, you know, mutants are a different species and everything. 
But mutants like Sabretooth and Mystique, they had a human child. And Graydon Creed was, was pure human. Right. So it's like, if it's another species, can it revert back to the previous evolved species? I but, mean, that but, doesn't make any sense. I mean, but the main thing is, if they're not human, they don't have human rights. They can't vote. They, Te- they can't get a mortgage. Technically, it should be impossible for two mutants to mate and have a human child because the mutant gene is recessive. Uh-huh. So when two people with a recessive gene... You can have, have mutant kid, hunting season. Yeah. <laughs> Duck season, wabbit season, mutant season. <laughs> it's finally something Daffy and Bugs can get together on. Yeah. Um... The Evil Dead remake, apparently um, some actress named Lily Collins, I don't recognize name, has been is in negotiations for the lead role. Let's think about that. What does that mean? Who's the lead in, who's the lead in Evil Dead? I'm not talking to you here. <laughs> well, I mean, his name was already Ashley, so it's kind of a lateral move. <laughs> so there may be a female Ashley J. Williams. Which um in the the upcoming relaunch or whatever of Evil Dead or Army of Darkness, mm-hmm. yeah, Army of Darkness, I think it's coming out in March. There's going to be a female, a Lady Ash. So there you go. So they're following the Marvel example. Uh, I don't know. Put I don't it know in your how comics I feel first and then put it in a movie. <laughs> All right, we have um just a few questions from the people. Um, the first two are, um, oh, these are a little different. Okay, the first one's from Thanos Rules. What are your top three must-read volumes for 2012? And are they the same that are on your list from the other day? Top three. It's kind of tough because I don't really know what's coming out volume-wise in 2012. Well, I, I think it means like series. Oh, okay. No, okay. Well, I guess that. Yeah. Fatal. 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 And then the ones I posted: Wonder Woman and. Uh, yeah. No X Force. Avengers versus X Men. No Daredevil. Of course, <laughs> of course, those two. But he asked for three. No Astonishing X Men by Marjorie Lou. He asked <laughs> for three. <laughs> um, I think it's hard to narrow it down. I mean, you know, yeah. it was hard enough to do the top the two. two. Cause, and and plus the fact that there could be something next week announced, and you know, you have no idea, and and. It's it's easy to say okay here's what exists here's what's like you know like I said Batman you know it's it's great yeah and, but you know if you're talking about new books it's like who knows what and and like with with a lot of the other DC books you know they're going through creative changes so Green Arrow could turn out to be really awesome and I don't know so <laughs> that's a really really hard question yeah I I, th- I think it'd be good to look at it like six months in and kind of evaluate like okay what what happened the first six months and what probably going to happen next six yeah. months. And, and what are your favorites now? Yeah, and if, if they change, or, or were you disappointed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sniffum's Actual asks, which New 52 books you think are going to stick around a long time, besides the big one, B-Man, GL, Suran, and the like? Swamp Thing? I was going to say, the Swamp Thing, sort of, the, that trilogy of books doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Yeah. I, I'm not, I haven't looked at the sales, and I, I don't like looking at sales. Even yeah. I probably should. Batwoman. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, yeah, probably the Bat Titans seem like they're going to stick around. So I wonder about I Vampire. It's a great book, and great art. It's like I just I don't hear people talking about it so much. Um, I mean, they had John Constantine Constantine in there. I say both ways because people <laughs> argue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's a regional thing more than anything else. Yeah, but there people are like hardcore, like no, it's of this way. And other people are like, no, it's this way. And people are hardcore about something insignificant on the internet. Um, so my, the thing is, like, you know, you got this big vampire. You know, there are all these hundreds of people are getting killed, but it's like, where's the rest? How's that going to fit in with the rest of the DC universe? And are people? I really hope that people are reading that because you know Joshua Hale Field called. I mean, he's doing a great job with that. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd like to see that stick. I don't know if it is going to stick, but I'd really love to see it stick. Kind of like yours with I Vampire, uh, Justice League Dark. I really like that book. Yeah, I think that's an interesting book. It kind of shows you a different side of the DCU. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing people aren't happy with Static Shock. Mm. Well, they had like they switched creators really early, didn't they? Yeah. John Rosen left like after the second issue. Yeah. So Scott McDaniel Not a is, great is, is writing and drawing. Um, I mean, I haven't read OMAC. Um, uh, sales for OMAC are not good. Yeah, Men of War. Also I haven't good. read that. I mean, I wasn't a, a Sergeant Rock. I don't yeah. think Voodoo's going to stick around. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, now we see where they go in a new direction. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see. So the question was which ones are going to stick around. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the big ones, um, what what are other like Red Hood? I could see that sticking around. You know, that's mm-hmm. not one I wouldn't say necessarily the big one. I think that, Catwoman that, will stick around. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that will. You know, she. I mean, her one series made it like issue eighty or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's the numbers are pretty good. Do you think JLI will still be here? <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, not that this first arc is over. I mean, hopefully things will be established. I, I don't really care for the story where they went off and, you know, I, I want the team to be established or to recognition with the United Nations or whatever like that and just to see where they're going to go, you know, with Guy Gardner, Booster Gold, you know, is it going to have the, the old Justice League International feel or so? I don't know. Um, next, we can't really answer this. It's from Foxfire Art. Hope you all had a good holiday break. Thanks. I got it. I got it. He's got a Kindle Fire. Um, he was rather disappointed in the selection of comics and manga in the Amazon Kindle store. That has me very interested in looking into the Comixology app. Do you think it would be possible for ComicBind to do a video review of that application on the Kindle Fire? I watched a tested video review, and they didn't really touch on comic reading. Um, so I, I talked to Norm a little bit because I don't have a Kindle Fire. We have a regular Kindle at home, and I think you have a regular Kindle. Um, I think the overall view of the the it's. I think it's just like, eh. It, I mean, it, it's okay. I think. I think a lot of people are waiting for iPad three to, to make like full comparisons. You know, between the two. Um, as far as us doing something like that, that would mainly rely on. I, I don't. I don't know if um, Tested still has. I don't know if they bought a Kindle Fire or if they got a loan from the company and had to send it back. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of curious to see what it would look like, but... Well, um, DC titles are exclusive to Amazon. I think that they switched that to it's only exclusive for a few months. I could be wrong. Yeah, but still, like, yeah. all the titles are available <laughs> yeah. digitally. Yeah, but, so. but and I think it's only the trades, not the comics. I mean, I don't know if... I mean... See, I, don't, I don't know much about it, because I, I don't have one I haven't looked into. Like, if there's a Comixology app... Can you get I know that, this week's comics? I know that the the, the Comicsology app that um, Comicsology does all like does everything based on like sort of a, a Mac, like mm-hmm. so the way that it runs on an iPad is probably going to be the same. Like I mm-hmm. don't I don't imagine that it would be any different. But um, 
I've because I was I was looking into Kindle Fire and the Nook, um, and the Kindle Fire is a little bit jarring to use, and I felt that the Nook uh, was a little bit more fluid, but that's just me. <laughs> so, um, next from Tom Patty, what is your opinion on where the Walking Dead show is going? Also, who is your favorite character? I have not really been keeping up, so I don't like to defer. Um, so you, I haven't you, liked what I've heard. So about. you guys don't know about Stanley? Stanley? No, He's not Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> Stanley. He's my favorite, then. Excelsior! St- Stanley is... is <laughs> Gotta get away from these zombies, so he, true believers! He, he, was, he is, like, stuck in, like, half zombie form. He's not, like, full zombie. And he's kind of hanging out with Rick and kind of like, giving oh, them... Right. Ins- I cannot insight. tell if you're kidding or not. <laughs> 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 Uh, that is not happening. That would never happen. Um, no, I thought there was a guy that got bit or something. In oh the yeah, leg. then he got he. They left him to die. He's holding us back, true believers. We um, need to leave him behind. Stanley's. I mean, all you, the you gotta. I, I think what what I'm gonna say is I, I go with the. Uh, I mean, Rick. Without giving anything away, I mean, in the 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 mid season finale, he really stepped up, and you're you're seeing glimpses of the Rick that we know from the comics, and. So. I mean, because he didn't become the Rick from the comics overnight, even in the comics. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're starting to see that. So, um, the the I talked about this on Image Addiction. They they have a, a podcast, and I I talked about the the finale on there, and I voiced my opinion. Where the, basically the the episodes it kind of dragged on the one one plot line, one story that, that they had, and so I'm I, I'm eager for the next. I think it's in February, March, when it picks up again. So we'll see. Um, then we have what is uh, what does the crew think of the Amazing Spider-Man story direction for 2012? So I don't really know much. And I know we got the Ends of the Earth story coming on. So we have Doc Ock. Um, we saw the, the Sinister Six, all that. So I'm I'm it's dance lot. So I'm I'm excited. And then the last thing. So AMP Seeker of Knowledge. Um, Brought this up a couple weeks ago that Blue Moon Comics in Novato, which is local here, it's, it's in Marin, is moving to San Rafael in February 2012. So if anyone's in the area, if anyone's in Marin, check them out because mm-hmm. it's like the only comic shop in Marin. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the other comic store I go to is up in Sonoma County. Wow. So, and that is it for this week's podcast. All right. So I hope everybody had a good holiday and a new year. We didn't really talk about that. (laughs) We just just jumped into it. Yeah, we just jumped into it. That's true. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, You can check us back next week. Maybe next week we'll have another guest. Maybe. 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 All right. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye, everyone. It's Adventure Time. (laughs) 